Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the ISI Life. I am super excited to bring to you this conversation with Aaron Treadway. Aaron is a pastor, an author, a coach, husband, father, and a friend. He's passionate about living life to its fullest and pushing beyond the boundaries of everyday life through adventure. He's the lead pastor of Fellowship City Church and vice president of Ambassadors Football International. He was a founder and executive director of the Cleveland City Stars and is the author of To Who and Outrageous. He's a sought-after speaker, a world traveler. He's mentored thousands of athletes and coaches around the world. Him and his wife, Guinea, live in Cleveland with their son, Noah. And it's an amazing conversation. And we, we bring up his new book, which is launching here soon that we talk about here in the upcoming podcast. So for those of you who haven't um, been around ISI or new to ISI, what we are is an organization that helps people put faith at the center of what we call our big five Fs, which are faith, family, faculty, finance, and fitness. Iron sharpens iron comes from Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And what we're really trying to do with this podcast and our retreats and other things that we do is to help people do things God's way. So when you're managing your finances, you're managing your fitness, family, your key relationships, your work, how can you do that from a biblical perspective? So we bring on guests like Aaron and others to help us along that journey. So this podcast, uh, one of the things I hope that you get out of this is uh, is that you sharpen your edge um, and that you don't have to use more strength. Ecclesiastes 10.10 says that if the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But with wisdom, it helps one to succeed. And so hopefully today's uh, conversation with Aaron gives you some wisdom and helps you sharpen your edge as you go out into the world. And just a few other housekeeping things, and we'll get on with the conversation with Aaron, is on our website, the ISILife.com is where we house everything. It's all free. You can check out a bunch of resources on our big five Fs. You can check out all the past podcasts, guests, speakers, find out um, kind of who's involved and who's helped uh, shape this ministry so far. There's a bunch of free tools and assessments that may help you with wherever you have going on in your world right now. Check out our website and uh, hopefully you can get plugged in. Till then, uh, enjoy this episode with Aaron. Aaron, it is a pleasure and an honor to have you on the ISI Life podcast. Thanks for making the time today. Nick, so good to be with you, man. Great to be here. Yeah, I was uh, really excited to be connected to you and um, I heard your name and heard a little bit about your story, but um, I think you know what you're doing is a, a bullseye for the ISI audience. So I'm excited to, to have this connection. So as a warm up, let's give a little background on you know who you are, um, where you came from and, and what you're up to now. Yeah, I, I won't belabor it. Uh, originally from the Central Valley of California. Uh, don't hold that against me. <laughs> Outside San Francisco, but, uh, you know, grew up in a, in a baseball-loving family. Um, I, I myself never played a day of baseball myself, in, in my life, funny enough. Age of five, my dad came home uh, from work one day. He had played in the Giants organization, actually, but uh, had this dream for his only son to play uh, baseball <laughs> and uh, comes home from work and says, we're going to play a new game. It wasn't baseball. It was a, a game called soccer. I'd never seen it, never played it, uh, but gave me these uh, plastic things for the legs and uh, these long orange <laughs> socks and said, put these on. And we went to this field and I, I remember being at that field, age five, and seeing soccer being played for the first time and thinking to myself, this is the greatest thing I have ever seen. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so cool. 
That's so fun. My uh, my my two boys, uh, three, but my oldest two are just now beginning to play soccer, and they absolutely love it. So <laughs> it makes me uh, makes me think about that first time you saw that soccer field. So that was the beginning of of the soccer journey. Uh, yeah, that that was the beginning, and it's it's funny. My my mom loves to tell this story because on that day. Uh, you know, first day of soccer. Uh, I didn't, you know, never seen the sport, never heard of it. I looked up at my dad, this baseball guy, and said, Dad, this is what I'm going to do with my life. I'm going to be a <laughs> soccer player. And my mom always tells the story of my dad patting me on the head saying, no, you're going to be a baseball player. <laughs> and again, I, n- I never played a day of baseball in my life. I think, uh, you know, that was for me a, a foreordained plan. I-, I really believe that God had a purpose for me in the sport of soccer. Um, and that's uh, from that point really what I started to pursue. Um, I did play other sports growing up and I did have a few other interests, um, but I became pretty singularly focused. I'm kind of an all or nothing guy. <laughs> so mm-hmm. pretty early on, I went all in with the sport of soccer. And in some respects, it kind of became life to me. Age 13, mm-hmm. I, I got on the youth U.S. national team. So that was cool and got to start yeah. traveling different parts of the country, different parts of the world. Um, and so, so yeah, a lot of life revolved around soccer from a very er- early age, um, all the way, you know, to, to college at California State University. You know, they said I could start as a freshman. That was all I needed to know. So yeah. that's how I made my college choice. And, you know, that's where I went, um, you know, and, and looking back, I guess I would say that, uh, you know, and maybe some of your listeners can relate with this, but, um, you know, growing up, I, I went to church, but I realized, you know, much later in life that soccer was really my God. You know, mm-hmm. it really determined a lot of what I wanted, what I did, what I pursued, how I went about things. Um, and it, it wasn't until college that, uh, that I actually met Jesus as, as Lord and Savior of my life. Mm. And how did, uh, how, did that, how did that happen? Yeah, I, uh, I was a freshman, actually, so God is good. Uh, mm-hmm. Didn't get too far down the journey of, of college, but really, uh, you know, I, I kind of saw a lot of the, I guess I'd say it was futility of, you know, the, the kind of the partying life and all that type of thing. And, you know, um, soccer in, at, uh, in, in the collegiate game is during the fall, that's the season, and mm-hmm. So kind of first year and kind of figuring things out and uh, won an award at the, the end of the season, which was a great thing. And it really felt significant to me. Like, wow, like this is what I've been aiming at. I, I wanted to win this this award. I felt like it was prestigious and it would like move me towards my goals of being a pro. And and I think it probably did in some respects. But, you know, maybe maybe you've had an experience like this where you get something you really want and it is satisfying for like mm-hmm. three or four days <laughs> or maybe mm-hmm. even three or four weeks. But at a certain point, that satisfaction you feel starts to fade and it makes you feel like you need something more. Um, mm-hmm. And for me, that was really confusing. Like I got the thing I wanted most, but now I feel like there's something more. Um, and I never had had that feeling. So I kind of went on a search for, well, is there anything more than soccer? For the very first time, you know, I was asking myself that question. And mm-hmm. I, thought, I thought I would start with, uh, with faith 
And, you know, growing up in the United States, I, I guess I thought of myself as a Christian. Uh, and again, I, I did go to church, not all the time, but from time to time growing up. And uh, mm-hmm. it was church was a part of my life. But the truth is, I, I never heard the gospel. Um, and so I, I make a point of sharing the gospel with as many people as I can now, because just because you grow up in a, you know, quote unquote, Christian country or a Christian area or even in the church doesn't mean that you, you know, the gospel. Um, and so long story short, um, January 17th, 1994, I'll, I'll date myself a little bit. All right. Uh, I read a book that I'd, I'd never heard of, never heard of the author, but picked this book up because it had the word Christian in it. Uh, it was mere Christianity by CS Lewis. And uh, I read it cover to cover that night and I prayed my first prayer on my floor in the dorm room there. And, you know, I remember the prayer because I, I prayed on three conditions that, to follow Jesus. Uh, I don't ha- I don't ever want to be a pastor, a missionary or speak in public <laughs> on those three <laughs> conditions. I will do anything Jesus wants. <laughs> and I tell people now, don't make deals with God. <laughs> yeah. I was you a missionary for 20 years. I, I'm currently a lead pastor of uh, Fellowship City Church. And, uh, yeah, you know, I speak in public and most of what I do. That's awesome, man. Careful what you uh, said. Be careful what you pray for, right? <laughs> or against, I guess. Yeah. Or what you, yeah, pray for what you don't want. That's, um, man, that's awesome. So you're there, you're doing uh, the collegiate soccer thing. And then, um, and then from there, what happened uh, from that point on? Yeah. I, uh, you know, I, I thought I wanted to be a doctor and, at a certain point, I guess I realized that's not what I wanted, but really what I wanted is to be be a professional soccer player. And mm-hmm. I was blessed and fortunate to um, to have that opportunity. Got drafted in the Major League of Soccer uh, in 1997 and uh, was able to, to start to do that. But very shortly after that, and that was about three, three years after I had come to know Christ um, and, and really had this, you know, life altering um you know, shift in direction and purpose. Uh, but a few years later, uh, first year after I'd become a pro, I went on a mission trip, my first mission trip ever, um, Mm. to Zimbabwe, Uganda, and Kenya. And remember I prayed a prayer never to be a a pastor, a missionary or a public speaker. So mission trips weren't in my, uh, my set goal list. (laughs) (laughs) That's not what I was aiming at. Uh, But I found myself on this trip. uh, A group called Athletes in Action was taking a bunch of pro soccer players to share their their faith in Africa. And they invited me to come along. And I I didn't think much of it. Didn't really want to go, but I ended up on the trip. And, you know, I remember we played uh, the Zimbabwe national team in Harare, Zimbabwe one night. 60,000 people, kind of like this amazing atmosphere. But the next morning, we, we, we take this four-hour drive into the African bush, like the, the middle of nowhere Africa. And, yeah. you know, there's really no one around. It's just kind of dirt and nothing. And wow. I remember kind of looking around. We get to where we were going. And it, in the, the coach says, well, here's the field. And it's really just this undulating patch of rock. <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and I'm like, Turn to my friend is this guy, Carlos Calderson, good friend of mine from the L.A. Galaxy at the time. And I'm like, hey, man, Los, wh- what do you what are we doing here? And I remember <laughs> he turns to me. He's like, I have no idea. <laughs> 
And the coach, he's, he, he steps out of the bus and he's like, hey, watch what happens when I put this soccer ball on the ground. And it was crazy. You know, I don't know how long it was, but like kids are like swinging in on vines, jumping off, you know, mud, <laughs> mud th- thatched roofs and, you know, 400 kids on this undulating rock patch. And, you know, 15 minutes later, we're we're all playing soccer and they're kicking me in the shin and I'm kicking them. And they speak this clicking language like, you know, I can't speak to them linguistically, but we are communicating. Um, And and that was an important experience for me. Um, Just kind of standing there that day, we ultimately, you know, shared the gospel and all these kids, you know, receive Christ and. And it was amazing because there was these church planters there and they ended up planting a church that exists to this day, 20 something years later, um, wow. based on this one two hour clinic that we did with a bunch of kids. Um, and standing on the side of the field that day, uh, the Lord brought to my mind the story of Esther. And I was pretty early in my faith journey, and I had only read Esther once. But just remember uh, this young girl, she's kind of a, she's an orphan and, you know, really the lowest of, of her culture. And she becomes the queen um, of, you know, of these people and comes a point where the evil villain is going to, you know, kill all her people. And cousin Mordecai writes this letter, says, Esther, do you think that God could have put you in this position, raised you up for such a time as this? And it's kind of like God was saying that to me, like, Aaron, do you think that I left you on the soccer field for a purpose? Like, Hmm. don't you think that there's a reason that I gave you certain gifts and talents and, you know, different experiences that I had had to that point for a reason? Maybe maybe something more important than just my own significance and my own success. Um, and that was revolutionary for me. That was 25 years ago, but it really, you know, changed the entire target of my life. So um, it just sounds like a, an absolutely amazing experience to be there in this and all these, you know, 400 kids show up out of this jungle, you know, playing soccer, you get this amazing revelation. And then what goes on from there? I mean, just it's just like it's an amazing story. Yeah. Well, uh, I think we've all got a story that God's writing in and through our life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, fr- from there, it, it, it has been. It's been an amazing journey of faith. Like, I guess, really, my life has not gone in any direction that I anticipated being a, a young man growing up in California. Um, yeah. You know, with yeah. perhaps I had some small amounts of faith, but, you know, that that experience, that conversion experience was just the beginning of the journey. And, you know, there's been multiple kind of crossroads along the way, but that time in Zimbabwe was a big one. You know, I ended up playing uh, 13 years more as a professional soccer player, but I I did it for a whole, a totally different reason, you know, for, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of in my first year, it was, it was about, uh, yeah, I guess it was about my glory. Um, and it was about maybe the car I could drive or, you know, the money I could make or, you know, just maybe the things of the world that I would acquire from this pursuit. Mm-hmm. And, and, and for me, and I don't know about your listeners, but like if I'm really being honest, um, I was after the approval of man. You know, I was after the, the, the affirmation from other people. 
Um, even though, you know, God speaks over us and says, you know, like he said about Jesus in Matthew three sixteen, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. You know, what I find amazing about that verse is that was before Jesus has helped anybody or healed anybody mm-hmm. or gone to the cross. Jesus had done nothing in that moment. Uh, but God, his heavenly father was saying, no, it's not about what you can do and it's not about what you have. And it's not about what others say you are that makes you significant. It's to whom you belong. And, and for me, that was revolutionary, that understanding that, you know, God is pleased with me, irregardless of what I can do or what I have. So, I mean, that right there is huge. You could pause, underline, bold, italics, um, everything you just said, um, to whom you belong. Yeah. I mean, that's so good. So good. And did you have that, um, that realization like at some point during those, you know, 13 years of playing or earlier on? <laughs> I guess it's a, it's a progressive realization, still learning it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God's, yeah, yeah, yeah. God's still reminding me over and over. And, you know, it's that, that constant lesson of, uh, you know, sanctification and just, you know, understanding who I am in Christ. But, but yeah, I, I've had a few different, you know, experiences that, that, points been driven home to me. Uh, but for the next 13 years played professionally and, and again, did it for a different reason. Same, same profession. And I, I mm-hmm. tell people quite often now, you don't have to change your percent, your profession to live out your purpose in Christ. I think sometimes like we, we think, Oh, well, Aaron became a missionary. Well, yeah, that yeah. was God's plan for me, but I think we're all missionaries. We're all servants of the gospel and servants of Christ where we are. You know, God mm-hmm. happened to make some of us bankers and some of us uh, yeah. entrepreneurs and teachers and businessmen and, you know, women. And, you know, he places us in these unique positions, but expressly for his glory. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what I started to understand, you know, back in those days that that God made me, you know, he allowed me to become uh, a professional player so that I could serve him in and through that that platform. Um, And so that's what I try to do. And, you know, it took me all over the world, frankly, at this point in my life, I've been to over 150 countries. um, And and that's been an amazing journey in itself. I never really had it as a goal to to go to lots of countries. Um, But at this point, you know, I kind of take my cues from FIFA, the the governing body of soccer. They say Mm -hmm. there's 207 countries in the world. So I guess I've got, you know, 50 or 60 (laughs) left. So I might as well go for it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, But it was never my goal. Um, And uh, and that was that was amazing, too. Just been a blessing to get to to just kind of. I don't know, do life with so many different people from so many different places around the world. And, and that's a, that's a joy, you know, everybody's the same in, in, in some respects that culture is different. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it's an awesome realization that you don't, you know, your gifts were, you know, an amazing soccer player uh, and and other gifts as well, but you know, that you use them where you were and, uh, and anybody can use them. In, in the gifts that they have or the experiences and the places that God has placed them. And, um, you know, fast forward to, to today, I know you have this, um, this new book coming out, which is, I believe you said your fourth book. Is that right? This is number four. 
Yeah, this is number four. Um, number so four. <laughs> excited about that. Hopefully, I'm getting better with each book, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, you know, what you talked about is, you know, uh, the title of the book is Don't Miss Your Life. And um, I think everything that you just described, your story about, you know, using your influence where you were, the experiences you had, the gifts you had, um, I'm sure played into the title. But uh, tell us about the book. Tell us about, um, you know, what, why did you write this one as opposed to the other, you know, the other three and give us a little, little preview of what it's all about. Yeah, it's, it's pretty simple, really. It's a book about aiming your life at a worthy goal. Um, for me, especially up until that moment in Zimbabwe, I had really aimed my life at success. And I tell people all, all the time, there's no, there's no problem with, with success. It's not a problem to have success. It's not a, you know, I can't find anything in scripture that, that says it's a problem to have a certain title or a certain amount of money or a certain amount of recognition. I think the problem comes in when those things have a grip on your life, when the pursuit of those things become your ultimate goal. Um, so again, not a problem to have success, but I, I think the problem with success is that it can't satisfy the deepest longings of your soul. And, and really, for me, that's what I started to understand, you know, back when I won that award in college. I, I thought that award would, you know, and that recognition would really satisfy me. And, and it did for three days, but then it left me feeling like I needed something more. And uh, I, I've come to understand there's this thing called the hedonic treadmill. And it's this idea that, you know, we... We, we start to, we get something in our mind, like we, we want something, we have a desire. And so we start mm -hmm. to strive for it and, and maybe we obtain it. And if we obtain it, we enjoy it. Uh, but then ultimately, uh, our enjoyment of it, that thing starts to wane, whatever that thing is. And so we desire something else and it begins this cycle all over again. We desire, we strive, we obtain, we enjoy. We desire, we strive, we obtain, we enjoy. But the problem with that is it just never, you know, it never stops, <laughs> you know, like, you so it can never trouble. really yeah. satisfy. Hmm. Hmm. I think that was the problem for me, at least that I found with the pursuit of success, that it was this hmm. impossible task, no matter, you know, how much money I made, no matter how much recognition I, I, I got, it was just like I always was left ultimately feeling like I still need something more. Mm -hmm. And for me, so, uh, significance is different. You know, uh, it's interesting. Like I, I, I looked up the word significant uh, one time and it, it, the definition literally just in the, the dictionary is to have a meaning. To be significant is to have a worthy goal. Uh, and I found that so interesting to me. You know, it, re it reminded me, uh, Mark 8, 37, Jesus kind of frames this question to some of his earliest followers. He says, what will you give in exchange for your life? Um, and, and I think as I thought about my own life, that question always kind of hits me between the eyes because, you know, I think I was trading my life for some of the things of the world for a lot, a lot of years. Significance to have meaning and a worthy goal. Um, how would, um, 
I think a lot of the the guys, you know, or people listening, not all guys, but um, you know, the idea that um, chasing success instead of true significance is something that they would all want. They want both. They want to be successful, but more importantly, they want to have significance. So, if you were to try to hit the the nail on the head, how would someone find that true significance? Well, if I tell you, then you won't have to read the book. <laughs> <laughs> no, give us I, a, give us one quarter, one quarter of the uh, the beginning. <laughs> yeah, l- let me frame it like this because I think one of the challenges with this whole idea of success versus significance, just like you said, you hit the nail on the head. You know, we all want success. But if you're mm-hmm. a, a Christ, especially if you're a Christ follower, you want significance too, right? And, and you might even say, I want significance more than success, but I still want success. Um, yeah. And so I think part of the challenge for me, at least, is that I think so many of us, we don't realize that success is actually a problem in our life. You know, we don't, we don't realize when we're pursuing success more than we're pursuing significance, um, you know, what, what I found is when I set my sights on the pursuit of significance, it's often the case that success comes along. Uh, you know, since I've started to pursue significance, um, you know, I, I've still uh, had some of the success of the world. You know, I still continue to play professional sports and, you know, got to travel around and do some really cool things. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, my life has been so much more full and and. Mm. And significant with with you know with a greater sense of purpose and meaning. So I'll, I'll give you the, I'll give it away. You know I frame the book in two parts: the problem and the solution. You know for me the the solution to the pursuit of success is to, to pursue significance. And if you want to do that from from my perspective, uh, it's real simple. You know you you grow in the things of God in the things of of relationship. And, and you really live to give your life away. And if you start to do those three things uh, and pursue those three things, I believe that you start to experience the significance that Christ came to give. Love that. So grow in God in relationships and live to give your life away. So how, how, uh, I mean, most of the people listening here, you know, in, in career mode, you know, working, providing for their family, doing their career, how do they how they balance those things, the true significance, um, while also, um, you know, pursuing the success, you know, that they need to be a provider, a leader, protector, provider for their family. Really good question. You know, and how do those two imbalance? Yeah. um, I think I referenced Matthew 3.16 a little bit earlier where God Mm -hmm. speaks over Jesus. This is my son who I love. With him I am well pleased. And, Right after that, Jesus, you know, chapter four, Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, chapter four, Jesus is led into the desert to be tempted by the devil, <laughs> you know, and, and the devil tempts Jesus with these these three things. And, you know, the, the way that I always frame it is he tempts him to perform. He tempts him to believe that he is what he, he has, his possessions, and he tempts him with popularity. Um, and, and so. I think that's that's still our challenge today. You know, it. You know, I think the challenge is uh, well. We have to work because you know you have to eat. 
<laughs> and your kids have to eat and you got to provide for the family. You got to take care of the family. You got to have a place to live. And, and the enemy loves to take things that we, they're good things. They're things that God wants us to do that we should do. And often I think what the enemy does, he takes good things and he turns them into, turns it upside down and makes us feel like we need to do these things uh, so that we are seen. Um, you know, he takes them from good things that we, we should do to things that we have to do to prove our worth. Um, and, and I think all we have to do is flip it back up, you know, right side up, you know, these are yeah. things from God, you know, like we, we all have to work. Not only do we have to, we get to work, um, yeah. what in, in, you know, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. We get to work. We get to do these things for God. And I think as long as we can keep it in the right perspective, man, you know, pursue, mm-hmm. pursue your wildest dreams, pursue excellence, you know, to the highest level in your profession, you know, pursue the promotion, but do it for the, 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 the glory of God. And with that perspective, I think you start to live it for significance and success. It often just follows. I love that. I mean, it really, it, it comes back to your original, you know, revelation that you had about the skills of the soccer field and how you can use those skills, even, you know, when you were on that trip to, you know, for a bigger purpose than, than just to play soccer and, you know, be well known or score a bunch of goals or, you know, um, just have a winning team. I mean, you used it um, and you had that relation of like, this is where God placed me. These are the skills and these are the places that he has me. Um, so and that's why it's significant. And therefore, you know, success followed it right after, which is awesome. Yeah. Super cool, man. Um, well, I love it. Um, I think it's a, uh, I think it's a book that, um, it really hits, uh, like I said, it hits the bullseye for, I think what a lot of us are, are, uh, striving for and, you know, finding how do we chase that, uh, true significance and, um, and therefore success will follow when we're, when our heads and our hearts are in the right spot. So I love it. Love it. Um, any other, uh, as you're writing the book, um, you know, and as people are, you know, contemplating, uh, picking it up and, and, and reading it themselves, is there any, any other, um, main themes or, or topics that you would hope someone would, uh, would get from, from reading it? Yeah. I mean, you know, there's, there's lots in there. I guess I would, you know, maybe share one more thing. There was, there was a, a physician named Robert Goldman. Uh, in 1982, uh, it's a fascinating study that the Harvard Business Review put out. But, but Goldman, this physician and senior fellow at Tufts University, he starts to uh, really become fascinated with the value of success. He wants to understand, like, uh, especially, uh, you know, for, you know, well, especially for men, but uh, he wants to understand, like, what is the value of success to a person? And so he starts to survey in 1982 elite athletes and he comes up with this question that he ends up ultimately over about a decade asking to thousands and thousands of elite athletes. And it's this this very simple scenario. Um, I I don't remember it verbatim, but uh, it's something to the effect of uh, if I had a magic drug 
that could guarantee you overwhelming success in anything that you did. Now he's, he's surveying elite athletes. So he framed it from uh, the, you know, Mr. Olympia to the Olympic decathlon, you know, whatever pursuit you were going to pursue, it guaranteed you, you this overwhelming success. But there was one little catch. If you took the drug, it would give you the success, but it would also kill you five years later. And the question that he posed to these athletes was, would you take the drug? Wow. And it's in, I read this study a number of years ago and it was just so fascinating because I could resonate with this man. Like if somebody would promise that, that I could have the success that I long for in the areas, you know, in the things and pursuits that I want to pursue, man, I would, I would give quite a lot. The question is, it kind of comes back to your life. What would we, or, mm-hmm. or what Jesus said, you know, in, in the gospel of Mark, you know, what are you willing to trade your life for? What are you willing to exchange for the, for that success? And, and that's what Goldman was after. Would you trade your life for that type mm-hmm. of success? And I think it's easy to think nobody would do that. <laughs> Right. (laughs) Nobody would trade their life. You know, if I knew I was going to experience success, but I was going to die five years later. And the shocking revelation of this study, again, look it up for yourself. It's actually called the Goldman dilemma now is that the dilemma was 50 percent of these athletes, thousands of athletes said that they would take the drug. Wow. We live in a success-based culture. That's our reality. And the pressure and the desire for success is so great that usually we don't even know that that is our greatest goal. Hmm. That is fascinating that over (laughs) 50% would trade their life for the pinnacle of whatever they deemed as that success. That is wild. That was wild. The Goldman Dilemma. How have I not heard of that until just now? (laughs) Well, I don't think it gets talked about too much because, you know, I don't think it's something we want to talk about. But I think it's something we need to talk about. Um, You know, that was back in 1982. But I think it's just as relevant today as ever, if not maybe even more so today um, in the culture we're living in. you know, there. I think in America, we're so blessed. You know, I share that I, I get to travel to different places and talk to different people. We're, we're blessed in America. We've got, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of, of, you know, the things of this world. And yet, you know, like uh, statistics and studies suggest that like, we're the most unhappy people on the planet that uh, I, th- I read one report that said 60% of Americans feel too busy to enjoy their life. Um, and you know, we're running from one thing to the next and, and there's nothing wrong with running. I like to be fit, but, uh, but I think we got to run in the right direction. And and, and for me, as I read the scriptures, uh, really, I think that whole John 10, 10 idea where Jesus says the key, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy, but I have come to give you life and life to the full. I think to me, that that's, says something more than, you know, this life that I'm too busy to, to enjoy. 
to me, that says something about, you know, the satisfaction and the fullness and the completeness and wholeness that Jesus intends that I think some of us aren't actually experiencing. Hmm. I mean, I think that is a perfect place to, to motivate, um, anybody that feels led that they want that fullness, that abundance that they talk about in, in John 10, 10, um, that I think what you have captured in your years of experience and, um, the couple books before and everything, you know, wrapped into this book, don't miss your life. Um, I would just, I would just encourage, you know, anybody listening to, to check out the book, um, because I think you are going to equip people with the tools and actions to, to find that, find that significance that they're searching for. So I, I appreciate your heart and appreciate you taking the time to, you know, write the book. And I know it's, uh, like you mentioned, um, it's, you know, writing books is challenging and it's hard. Um, but the, the tools I'm sure are going to be extremely helpful to, you know, hopefully many, many people as they pursue that feeling that they're searching for that, that, you know, that feeling of fullness of abundance that, um, is promised to us. So I appreciate you doing that. Thanks so much, Nick. I, I appreciate that. And, you know, like you said, uh, writing books, I, I never aspired to be an author either. Um, but, but I believe that, you know, God calls us to do certain things. And uh, so hopefully the, this message of this particular book does resonate with, with some people. Absolutely. Well, outside of the book, um, one of the couple of the questions I ask everybody is just about joy. I think it's interesting to find out what, uh, you know, what lights people up, but for you, what brings you the, the most joy, Aaron? Yeah, I think, uh, like any, uh, family man, I, I love to spend time with my family. Uh, I've got mm. a beautiful South African wife and, uh, we've got one, uh, son, he's six and we just, uh, we love to, to go on adventures together. Um, so that's another thing. Uh, you know, we, we love to travel and, experience new cultures and new people. Um, yeah. we were, we were in Europe this summer for quite a lot of the summer. I, I was on a sabbatical, so that was a neat family time. Uh, I, I, I do subscribe to that idea that it's not a vacation. It's always a family trip when traveling with young children. <laughs> <laughs> the idea that yeah. you're going to rest is not actually the the not actually true. <laughs> you're probably not going to rest, and it's probably not always even going to be fun. But uh, but to us, it is worth it as we uh, you know see how yeah. it really shapes our our son's worldview and and gives us some uh, memories that you know we couldn't have otherwise. So yeah. those are a few things that bring me joy. And, you know, another one is really born out of the heart of this book. Um, I love helping other people experience significance in Christ. Uh, it kind of fuels my fire. Uh, it motivates yeah. me. Absolutely. I love that. Outside of this book, um, is there, you know, a book that you're reading now or one that you highly recommend to people or one that you've gifted, you know, time and time again? Uh, there's a few books that have, have shaped me, uh, a few of the, the older books, uh, mm -hmm. the call by Oz Guinness, mm -hmm. uh, probably one of the most significant books in my life. I've read it, I don't know, 30 times, uh, wow. lots, lots in there. Uh, the practice of the presence of God by Bro brother Lawrence, very small little book, but, uh, 
packed with uh, some revolutionary thinking on <clears throat> what it is to actually live the Christian life and what it looks like mm-hmm. to, to live a life of, of servanthood and a, a full life, really, in mm-hmm. Christ. And uh, maybe a book that I, I just read uh, recently, so it's on top of mind, uh, Leaders Eat Last by Simon yeah. Sinek is a, is a new book that I, I read recently. And just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a leader. I think uh, we're all called to be leaders in our own spheres of influence. Um, and that book was uh, helpful to me, just understanding uh, a, a new paradigm or perspective on leadership. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned one earlier, the one that had a you know, big impact to you was the mere Christianity too. 100%. Which, uh, that's awesome. Very cool. Do you have a... Uh, you know, one central life verse that you, you know, kind of live by, or is there, is there one right now that's speaking to you more than others? Yeah. At, uh, at our church, actually this summer, we had a, a 12 week series called life verse. <laughs> oh, wow. So okay. I, right. I obviously didn't preach all 12 weeks, <laughs> then it wouldn't be one life verse, but, uh, yeah. I preached one of the weeks and, uh, and my life verse is Matthew six thirty three but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Hmm. So funny. You uh, mentioned that. I love that. That was uh, our most recent ISI retreat. That was the topic of one of the guy's uh, talks. And mm-hmm. he said, um, first, he said, the, are you, get, you know, he was talking about the first of your day, the first of this, the first of your money, the first of your, you know, the, your different firsts you have in your mm-hmm. life. And are you, giving them to God first or you giving God the the middle or the last little bit. Um, it was a good visual and uh, a good word, you know, play on words to really put your mind in the right spot of what are you actually seeking for? So awesome. I love that. Matthew six thirty three. Very cool. Well, Aaron, um, it's been uh, a pleasure and honor having you on. Um, I just I love what you're doing. I think your, your message is just, you know, specifically resonates with, with our audience and, um, you know, I think your nuggets that you've shared with us today, your wisdom are extremely helpful. So I, I appreciate that. And hopefully, um, you know, the people can, can check you out and, and learn more and hopefully we can keep you connected to the ISI life over the, over the coming years. Yeah. I love that. I really appreciate you, you and what you guys are doing as well. Um, so keep, keep going. I'm cheering for you guys and, and love to be a part of, uh, of your network of just, uh, you know, being an influence for, for the glory of God, um, in, you know, men's lives and different people's lives. So, so well done for that. Awesome. Would you, uh, close us in a word of prayer today, Aaron? Yeah, I'd love to. Father, we are truly grateful for this day. Your word says that this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And so we set our hearts to rejoicing. We set our hearts to be glad in, uh, the knowledge of Jesus, our Savior. And so many things in this life uh, can weigh us down. Uh, so many things can tire us out and uh, just uh, pull us away from the desires of your heart. And so I pray for each of these listening today that they might uh, have a fresh encounter with Jesus, that your Holy Spirit might uh, rise up in them and encourage them and give them strength and joy and perseverance uh, 
we are grateful for Jesus and your sacrifice. We are grateful that uh, you have called us not to live lives of wanting, not to live lives that kind of limp and just keep our fingers crossed and make it through to another day. Uh, but you have called us and came, Jesus, that we might know life and life in abundance. Oh, I pray that you would help us to experience that life of significance in you. We pray in Jesus' name. I hope you all enjoyed that conversation with Aaron. He's obviously a, an amazing source of wisdom, um, and I'm really excited for anybody who has a chance to check out the book. Um, and for if you want to catch some show notes or catch all the books or things, if you weren't able to um, write down anything or if you're just listening to this on the drive, everything's hosted at theisilife.com. So you can go into this particular show, grab the show notes, grab the book recommendations, grab the key scripture verses that he recommended. And um, just I even mean, two things that I set out to me, I mean, there's a lot, but just to kind of boil it down, um, first time I've heard of the hedonic treadmill, the idea that we're constantly on this um, continuum about having an idea, striving, obtaining it, enjoying it, and then wanting it all over again. And um, I love how he boils that down to this latest book, and, and he gives the solution to significance uh, in his latest book, Don't Miss Your Life. So, and it really comes down to growing in our relationship with God and living and giving your life away which uh, he outlines a little bit on this podcast, but so much more depth in the book. So if you get a chance, check it out. Don't Miss Your Life by Aaron Treadway. Uh, thanks for listening and Hopefully this was helpful to you. Uh, if you have any feedback on what we can do to make this more impactful or better for you, please let us know. Until then, stay sharp and sharpen others by sharing this podcast and inviting or attending a retreat. Stay sharp and God bless.